you're listening to the Quiet Rebels podcast, episode number 42. And in this episode, my special guest and I, we're going to be walking you through a very visual process. But here's the thing, even though this is a podcast, it's still going to be able to translate well because my special guest is actually a brand and product photographer. And she's going to be walking us through how we can actually start taking our own brand photos. So that way, Our feed isn't a mix of selfies at awkward angles, as well as like unrelated, but still very polished stock photos. Like we're going to bridge the gap in between them. So you can actually take these photos yourself. They still look professional, but they're not overly polished in a way that it doesn't connect with your audience anymore. Because here's the thing, when it comes to social media, it's got the word social in front of it for a reason it's about connecting with your audience and that is so important and in the age of beautiful feeds sometimes it can feel very discouraging if you don't have super high professional photos and sometimes we don't always have the equipment or the team or the knowledge and know-how on hand in order to be able to take those photos so what i love about my guest today is that she's a brand and product photographer already. So she walks us through some very practical tips of how you can take your own brand photos, the different styles you should include on your feeds. It's not just like the same style of photo like throughout your entire feed, you know, it's a way to kind of mix it up to keep it interesting but at the same time keep it cohesive. But what I love is that the entire foundation of this conversation is about building authentic connections with your audience through the stories you tell through your photography. So whether you're a seasoned photographer or you're a selfie taker like myself and I didn't know any better up until now, you're going to love this episode because there are some very, very practical tips of how you can start doing this for yourself, the different styles. And also we do talk about the transformation, the mindset shift that happens when you do actually take your brand photos to the next level. So just a quick tidbit, I do share a little bit about this in the interview, but I also share about the fact that when I had my brand photos done, I stepped into a new shoe. (laughs) I stepped into a new pair of shoes, like of being a professional, because it's kind of like I had to live up to the perception that my photos are creating for me. So it's kind of like they were the step forward that I needed to take. And you can do it the other way around. Absolutely. But what I'm saying is that for me personally, I found that when I had professional photos out there, it made me treat myself as professional. And because of that, people could almost feel that sense of self-respect. Like I knew my worth, right? Because these are what the photos reflected. And I kind of like stepped into that. So it's almost like an entire identity shift. And that's what I found for me. Maybe it's not something you need right now. But if you're thinking to yourself, okay, I'm kind of hiding behind the scenes. But I know that if I had a brand photo shoot, it would take me to the next level. So this is kind of like the step in between. This is not about encouraging you to hire brand photographers all the time every time you need a new set of photos instead it's kind of empowering you with tips and tools that you can use today yes you can start with your smartphone we would love it if you'd eventually upgrade of course as you get more into it but smartphones are totally fine to start off with and so i really hope that you enjoy our conversation with amy eaton so let's get into it this is the place to be if you want the courage to live your life and run your business in a way that's true to you. Contrary to what you might think, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room in order to be heard. But here's the thing, there's no time for you to be playing small anymore because you can make an impact on the people you want to help in this world by showing up and owning your message. And it is my personal mission to support you on your journey with every single episode. I am your host, Meike Sang, and it is my honor to welcome you to The Quiet Rebellion. Let's dive in. Hello, my dear Quiet Rebels. I'm so excited to be here with you today with my special guest. And now this lady is pretty awesome, and I've had the pleasure of getting to know her. She was, she was actually standing in line behind me when we were both rocking up the mic at Amy Porterfield's event in San Diego. So it was pretty awesome. I didn't know this until later on we connected because we actually worked together for a podcast guesting. And I absolutely love everything that she was like talking about. I was like, girl, I gotta get you on my podcast. So we're going to be talking about all things brand photography and not just any brand photography, but how you can DIY it so that you can actually feel an authentic connection with your audience on social media, particularly Instagram. So I'm so excited to bring onto the show, Amy Eaton. So Amy, welcome on board to the Choir Rebels podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be on your podcast because 
we do go way back to San Diego last fall. <laughs> so it's so much fun to be on your podcast. This is great. Yeah, 100%. Before we get into all the good stuff about, you know, DIY brand photography, because I think that like perks up so many ears in my audience right now. Could you kind of like give us a rundown of how you got into space? Because I know that originally you worked with handmade sellers and now mm-hmm. you've pivoted into, you know, brand photography for personal brands, which is really exciting because that means like more for us. <laughs> so, right. And like paint a picture of your story. Okay. So, well, I, am a brand and product photographer. And that's what I did for many years before I decided to shift to teaching online. And I really, I, I made the shift be, same with so many reasons that other people do that shift as well, because it's scalable and it's location independent. So if you want to move, I wanted to move home to my home province of Nova Scotia, Canada, which is beautiful coastlines, but not known for its big product scene where I could do product (laughs) photography or brand photography. So I wanted to be able to have that flexibility. I think a lot of people move their business online because they want to have flexibility and freedom and independence. So I knew that there was a need in the handmade community for this kind of education where I could teach them a very specific, streamlined and simplified process for taking product photos that they could achieve relatively easily and successfully so that they could just immediately start taking great product photos for their business pretty much immediately after just learning a few things. And then I have a a really comprehensive course that helps them establish a really solid workflow to make that accessible for them. And that education wasn't being provided anywhere else. So I built that course for them. And that was almost three years ago now. And it has been incredible. My students have seen phenomenal success. I've surprised myself (laughs) with how well the program has filled that need and helped makers really grasp product photography, which they never thought they'd be able to do because it is so technical. And then just recently, I realized that that need is not unique just to makers, but that the wider online community wants to be able to do that as well. Because as we all know, when you have an online business, you have to show up online. This is how mm-hmm. clients and customers are finding us. It's online. And because the internet is so visually based, that is how people are encountering businesses through their visuals, through branding and colors and logos, but very much through photos, either on their website or Instagram or wherever. It is kind of the first impression that people get is through these photos. And then on an ongoing basis on Instagram, kind of how people are showing up and what they are conveying through their images. And I know that a lot of online entrepreneurs want to be able to share their life and their business and their brand in a way that looks professional, that looks polished, but that also really looks like them and feels really authentic. And more than ever, I think clients and customers are looking for authenticity. And I think we want to be authentic more than ever Mm -hmm. before. We want to be seen as who we are. And stock photos do not provide that opportunity. And even brand photo shoots, while they definitely have their place, you know, with a professional brand photographer, they, on an ongoing basis for social media, especially, or if you just need to take a quick photo for a new marketing graphic or whatever, online entrepreneurs are really wanting to be able to do that kind of thing themselves. So here I am <laughs> popping back up in a new, in a new niche of in bringing that same, the same kind of simplified streamlined system that I've brought to the maker community. I'm, I'm adapting that for a wider online audience and I am super pumped. Yeah, I know you are because I've been seeing behind the scenes the things that you got creating. And I love this conversation because I remember when we first talked, you talked about like how, oh yeah, stock images, they look great, but they're just not doing it anymore. And it's true. I mean, like they look really polished and too polished. And the thing is, it's not creating that connection. It's it's almost creating a barrier of connection Mm because I don't know about you, but sometimes when something is too polished, like I just feel like I don't belong there. And if I see that someone's feed is too polished, then for me, well, maybe it's just a personal preference, but for me, it just kind of feel like, oh, I can't relate to you. Mm -hmm. And so what you're doing is that you're empowering individuals like ourselves, like personal brands online to be able to, you know, take a step forward in being able to take our own photos that not only look professional, but also are relatable. And they just create that no like and trust factor, like they really ramp it up upon like first glance, which is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So could you kind of give us, I know like as a photographer, I know there's so many tips that you could be sharing with us, but how can we get started? I mean, like, do we need a fancy camera? Can we do it just with our phones or like just 
what can we do like the bare minimum to kind of like create a great brand experience when people see our photos? This is a good opportunity to talk about this because I literally am just working on another freebie. And I was talking about the equipment that you need to get started, like just mm -hmm. just the bare minimum. Yeah. And so you can use your smartphone. So here's the thing about smartphones. And this is the same thing I tell my maker students as well. You can get by with a smartphone. And especially if you're just starting out, you're, you know, testing the waters, you're kind of learning this whole photography thing. Your smartphone is a great place to start. You'll learn some skills. You'll learn the foundation. But then what usually happens is you start to notice that the photos you take with your smartphone aren't quite as professional looking as ones that you could take with a DSLR camera, because no matter how good smartphone cameras get, they're still not quite as good as a DSLR and they, and they don't look quite as realistic and professional as they should with a DSLR camera. So you can absolutely start with a smartphone, but what you may find is that eventually you'll kind of be like, you know what, I want to upgrade. And a lot of people do want to upgrade once they learn the basics because it actually gets easier. It's easier when you use a DSLR camera. They are more capable of taking these kinds of photos and they're the little less finicky and you have more tools available to you when you have a DSLR camera. So you can get away with the smartphone, but you probably are going to want to move to a DSLR at some point. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the cheaty answer, but <laughs> <laughs> hopefully that helps. So, so yeah, both work. It's just where you are in your journey. And you know, it's great. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love my smartphone, but my smartphone is like three years old. So it's totally old. And I actually do have a professional camera. I think that's the thing. I feel so embarrassed right now because I bought a professional camera. I bought it off like my mentor. So it's a little bit different. It's not like I bought it from the store brand new and not knowing what to do with it, but. He used it. He was selling it. I was like, hey, I'd buy it. And it does take brilliant photos and nice. videos, actually. And it does make you feel more professional when you do that. And actually, let's talk about that for a moment. When we show up with photos beyond a smartphone picture, it makes you feel different. It makes you kind of, I don't know. For me, when I showed up with the actual brand photos, not DIY, like I did hire a photographer, but when I actually showed up with them on my website, the perception of my professionalism, of my experience, it just skyrocketed. So can we talk about that, Amy? Oh my God. Yeah. I love this topic <laughs> because I felt the same way when I first got professional branding done for my business. When I very first got someone to make my logo and my colors and my infamous hexagon pattern, if anyone mm. follows me, that's like, it's kind of my calling card. Everyone's, you can pick it out. And that is all the genius of branding professional who I hired. She did the whole thing and it's it was so well done and brilliant and I'm just probably going to keep it forever. But that made me feel so much more legit. And because I felt more legit, I acted more legit. Yeah. I felt the part once I finally started to put some of those things in place. So yeah, it's, it's very real and it's very real when it comes to brand photos as well. Mm. And yeah. then DSLR cameras can make you absolutely feel a lot more professional. Definitely. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to touch on that because honestly, I felt like I was hiding behind like my DIY stuff. Like, of course I've done a DIY website before and I was actually fortunate enough that one of my best biz besties, actually, you know her, Amy, like you interviewed on her podcast as well. So it's Gigi um, mm -hmm. or Yevgenia Devrashvili. <laughs> so um, she actually just said to me like, Meke, I've created a website for you. You deserve better. So here you oh. go. <laughs> like uh, best friends ever but like <laughs> yeah she like created like a one pager and when i put it out there oh my god the response was incredible not just like leads coming through and things like that but also it just made me feel proud to share it and i think that's important here it's the mindset shift that when you have professional work done you show up more as a professional. You don't just act as a professional. You actually are. You step into the shoes that have been in front of you all this time when you've been hiding behind DIY. But I don't want to like completely slam DIY because that's what you're talking about. Well, yeah. uh, well and that's what I was just thinking about as well, because there's kind of different levels of DIY too, isn't there? There's oh, okay. like, yeah, let's talk yeah, about I mean, when you DIY your website, if you DIY website, like you have bad template, there's like the default <laughs> template on the web, you just kind of pop your text in there. It's not going to look, you're not going to feel great about it, but maybe you DIY by buying a nice template on Etsy or creative market or wherever and use that and you're still DIYing, but you're like, Hey, this actually looks pretty good. Mm -hmm. So you can do that through your photography as well. So there's DIY brand photography where you're like using your smartphone and the lighting is bad and you look terrible and it's a selfie and it's like, you know, whatever. And you put that up and you're not going to look or feel very professional, but 
if you have the right skill set, if you have the right knowledge and teaching, and you have learned some of these systems, then you know that, you know, if you set up a nice tripod in just the right location where the lighting is great and you use the right settings and then you edit it in just this certain way, it's going to look really professional. So that was DIY but it makes you feel really professional and accomplished because you did it yourself. <laughs> yeah, there yeah. is um, some pride that comes with DIY. It's like, oh yeah, I did this myself. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I do love what you said there because um, for the longest time, I just thought that DIY was just like one level. But you're right, there are different levels. It's kind of like, the degree of effort and customization you put into it. So like you said, like the lowest level of DIY is just kind of like doing the bare minimum, just like buying a template and just slapping stuff on there. But if mm-hmm. you kind of like are more hands-on with like how you like things represented and things, then it's a different level of DIY, like the top tier DIY even. It is. <laughs> and it's empowering too, because you're taking some of that into your own hands. So especially when it comes to DIY brand photography, there's still the time and place for a professional photo shoot for if you're doing, you know, refresher on your website or whatever, but maybe you want a specific photo for a marketing graphic that needs to go out tomorrow, or you really want to capture something that's happening in the moment for your Instagram feed, but you know that it still needs to look polished and professional, no matter how candid and authentic that looks, it still should look professional and beautiful and clean and crisp and all that stuff. And being able to have the skill set to pull that off is so empowering for online entrepreneurs to be able to know that they can achieve that because no matter how much money or whatever you might have to hire, I mean, even your Amy Porterfields of the world are taking the odd photo or whatever by themselves because it's it's in the moment and they want to do that and they want to share that. So being able to do that is empowering. And I think it takes a lot of stress and pressure off because you just, you know, you know, you put it, you put the shot together, you know, the setup, you understand how light works and bam, they have a great photo. Mm. Oh yes. I can definitely speak to the empowerment. And um, also um, let's talk about when we should have a professional photo shoot versus when we should DIY because um, literally as at the time of this recording in about two weeks time, my brand photographer is coming to London because for some reason my brand photographers aren't in the UK. My first one was in the UK. The second one has moved to the Netherlands. I was like, no, like, cause she took my triplet photo on my website. And then I have another um, brand photographer and she's from Ukraine and she comes to London like periodically in the year. And I've been having like a yearly photo shoot with her. But outside of that, I would like to learn like, what are the key things I should take into account when I take a photo with my own DSLR? So could you kind of like run us through, Amy, like some things like, because you've been saying like, you know, it should look beautiful and crisp and clear. But what does that mean for us? Like, what do we need to look out for? So lighting and props and like, just, yeah, now that's all the things. (laughs) All the things. Okay. So the very foundation of a great photo is lighting always because photography literally is derived from the Latin meaning drawing with light. So that is how photographs are created with the relationship that light has to the environment. And that's how photographs have always been taken and will continue to be taken. So if you don't have good quality lighting, that will impact the quality of the photo. I love natural light. It's easiest. It's cheapest. (laughs) It is usually, you know, as long as you understand how it works, then it's usually a nice neutral color and it's soft and it's great. So kind of the basics, the very first thing that I recommend people do is find a bright window in your home. And that's where you can set up and take your shots. You can take portraits by the window. Don't have the window behind you. (laughs) The the light should be hitting your face, hitting your front. And that's going to make a really big difference. And you can set up styled shots there. You can push a desk over there or a table or a chair or whatever and set up shots right there in the light. Uh, and there may be certain rooms in your house that get really great light. So start paying attention to these things as throughout the day as you're walking around your house. If you work from home, I work from home. So I know that in the morning, my front room gets the best light. And in the afternoon, my bedroom gets the best light. So I will plan to take different shots at different times, depending on what the lighting looks like. So it can be very simple. I think people overcomplicate things. But once you understand how light works and how to identify light that is nice, then you're good to go. You just need to find it and go there. Try to avoid light that is direct light. So light that is coming directly from the sun. You don't want to kind of sit out on your deck in broad daylight. So then you get that really like bright face look and there's like harsh shadows and uh, same goes for styled photos. If you're taking like a flat lay or anything like that, you wouldn't want the light actually directly hitting your scene usually because it does create some pretty harsh and unsightly shadows. So mm-hmm. stay out of the direct light, try to find some nice bright natural light. And that's going to be your sweet spot. And if you're taking portraiture, never have the light behind you because it will Mm -hmm. just, it's never a good look. 
<laughs> no, no one can rock that. I'm afraid. No one. No one. But, yeah. Oh, actually, I do have a, a. This is probably like a selfish question, but I hope that you know my my fellow quiet rebels will forgive me here, or maybe they'll go through the same thing. But when it comes to taking a flat lay, I always get the shadow of my camera and my arms in the photo. So how do you avoid that? <laughs> <laughs> you cannot be between your light source and the flat lay. That's pretty much how it comes. But how do you take the bird's eye view then of, of the flat lay without... You need to, your light should not be coming from above. So if you are sitting up next to a bright window, for example, without this, there's no direct sunlight coming in. Again, that a lot depends on kind of the direction that the window faces and what time of day it is and things like that. So try to find a nice bright window with no actual direct sunbeams coming in it set up a table or a desk right next to the window. And then you would stand so that the, the window is say to your left mm -hmm. and then your scene is in front of you. So the window is right next to where your flat lay is. Does this make sense still? It's hard to see without the visual. <laughs> explaining is helping. And then you stand above it, but the light is actually coming from the side because it's coming in from the window. And then you won't be casting a shadow. Oh. And make sure there's no overhead lights on in your room because that okay. will also cast a shadow. Okay, thank you. I feel like extra smart now because <laughs> my family sometimes around when I like do all these random things for the business and they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I know now, you know, I know how to not cast a shadow. <laughs> like, why flat, are like, you moving that table? <laughs> yeah, like, oh, this is why, because the light direction. <laughs> You'll thank sound very cool. Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. So lighting and uh, what did you say about the, um, the original meaning, like writing with light? Like, wow. Mind yeah. <laughs> the Latin, Latin. So photography is mm -hmm. derived from the Latin drawing with light. So graphy is drawing and photo oh, is light. And that's kind of the derivative of photography. So that, oh, that's so cool. That's beautiful. Thank you for, for educating us with that. Okay. So that's lighting. Um, before we kind of move on to the next part of the conversation, could you kind of like give us something else that we should look for? So lighting is obviously very important and placement. Is there any other major things or major mistakes you keep seeing that you can tell when someone's doing a DIY uh, photography for like, you know, based on their feed or based on the photos they put out. So what other biggest mistakes do you see and that we can easily rectify? Lighting is by far the biggest one for one. Okay. Let's just say okay, so there's <laughs> two points that I'll make related to kind of really screaming that, that it was DIY, which we don't, we're going to DIY our photos, my friends, but we don't want it to look like <laughs> it is DIY. That's the key. We're, we're walking the line here. So when it comes to styling photos, and this is anytime you're including props. So, you know, you've seen the, the really nice flat lays or this, the scene with like maybe a coffee mug next to a bed or whatever. So those are your styled photos. A tip to really make your styled photos look super dynamic and interesting is to mix and match textures. <laughs> so this could be like a textured throw blanket with um, a wood serving tray or a marble block with a coffee mug on it and maybe some flowers. And so you're pulling in stone, knits, plants. You could have ceramics from a mug and different things like that. So you're kind of, and if you have a book, then you have paper. So you're pulling in a lot of different textural elements and kind of mixing and matching those in your photos. And that creates a really dynamic kind of story that you're telling that makes them look very interesting. And if you go on Instagram and let's say you search the hashtag flat lay or whatever, and you're looking at some of these photos, you will often notice that there is a lot of mixing of textures and incorporating plant life and different things like that. So mm. I do encourage that. I also encourage you to include color because that is one thing that you may not notice. I have noticed that a lot of the flat lays on Instagram, for example, are, have a lot of muted tones in them. They're gorgeous, but they are all very muted tones. Don't be afraid to include color, especially if your brand is colorful. My brand is very colorful. I incorporate a lot of colorful props into my photos. So just because you notice other people aren't doing that doesn't mean that you shouldn't. You should. And just have fun. Have fun with it. And watch your arrangement. I always encourage people to think of it as kind of a storyboard. If you're doing a flat layer or styled photo, kind of think of what you would want the focus of this photo to be. What kind of story are you telling? What should be the thing that is popping or what things should be interacting with one another to tell the story? Try to find a nice balance of white space, I suppose. White space mm -hmm. is just kind of like the, not literal white space, but space where there's nothing popping out at you, like a prop or something like that. Try to have enough of that so that it's not super crowded and overwhelming, but not so much that there's like a big, like half the photo is just empty as well. Mm -hmm. So kind of try to find that balance between arranging your photo in that way and think about how the props are interacting with one another, the story, the telling and that kind of thing. Mm, yes. Practice makes perfect. 
Yes, 100%. And for someone who has, I'm kind of like asking for myself here, but <laughs> also for my fellow quiet rebels who may actually have a muted color palette, because um, I use a lot of black and whites, as you may already know. Yeah. And it was, it was very, uh, it was a big deal for me to have like a pink blanket <laughs> in one of my photos. So for those who do have like naturally muted tones, what kind of like colors like could we experiment with that would still make us feel like is on brand, but still make it so it's actually interesting. Well, blush pink is a really nice one. Like a, a blush pink, a rose gold, those are still really quite muted and subtle. I find that sometimes oranges can work, not bright oranges, but kind of like your more muted, almost like a rusty orange in a way. Mm -hmm. Those tend to work really well with neutrals. You can pull those in. And then plants tend to work well with neutrals yeah. because they feel natural. It's not like you're, you're trying too hard with the color. Like it's a plant that's just a color. Mm -hmm. Lavenders, those are, they're purple, but it's very soft. It's very subtle. And you can, yeah, pull in some stuff like that. And and that's a, a way to have just subtle pops of color, but still staying on brand. Mm, okay. Got it. Thank you for that. I want to touch on something that uh, we mutually bonded over. And like, to be honest, I felt guilty at the same time because I always like, so do this. But <laughs> one of the things that you mentioned when we first talked together was like, oh yeah, I want brand photos to go beyond someone holding a coffee mug and like, you know, typing on their laptop. So, okay, that's like the standard of today. And it's obviously, it's quite cliche when we think of brand photos. So, so like, <laughs> it's, so, it's so cliche, but for someone who like works online, it is our natural habitat. So yes. how can we like make it more fun and more interesting so we can kind of stand out with our personality? Because that's kind of what we have if we have an um, online business. So for example, and Gigi again, I'll talk about her. So we have shared like the same photographer before and the same venue before. And she had like a really cool process because like, you know, she's a brand strategist and web designer. So she had like loads of oh, what they call swatches. Yeah. She had like a loads of swatches and like things that she can pin on the wall so she had a really interesting branding photo, photo shoot and for me i'm like hmm, uh laptop bug smile that's all i have <laughs> so for those who don't have an overly creative process or rather they just don't have something beyond that laptop like what would you recommend for us to be more interesting and kind of <laughs> shout personality a little bit more to, beyond facial expressions <laughs> Well, first of all, there's nothing you can't, you can have the MacBook for sure. <laughs> and you, you know, if that is authentic to you. And I think uh, it's just so funny because when I go on Pinterest to look to see kind of what's new in brand photography, it, it's, there's nothing on Pinterest that's new in brand photography. It's literally the same photo of the girl with the nice hair mm -hmm. and the MacBook and a coffee mug. And maybe there's one with her and her smartphone instead. Mm -hmm. But it's all very cliche and very much the same. Now, just because that is cliche, doesn't mean that you shouldn't include a MacBook in your photos if that is authentic to you. I have a photo queued up in my planally to go on Instagram of me with my MacBook, but my hair is in a messy bun <laughs> and <laughs> I'm lying on my bed because that is more realistic for me and what I'm doing. And it, I think the important thing is just to really think about what is natural for me? And another thing too, so I have a new MacBook and I don't have a new case for it yet, but I used to take lots of photos with my MacBook, but I had a case for it that I bought not for photos, but because I loved it and it was graphic and it was geometric and really colorful and it was so me and that was in all of my photos. So that looked different and I didn't take it off to show that it was a MacBook to look like a big deal. Like I, I left it on because it was mine and it was colorful and I loved it. And I think that's what's really important is you just have to do what feels right to you and not try to fit into that mold of having those bits and pieces. So that's what I recommend. Now, if you don't have a business that's particularly designy or, or creative per se, like in a, in a not so visual way, not so visually creative, like copywriters, they are very creative. But like you said, they're probably on their MacBook most of the time. Yeah. I really encourage people to consider yourself as more than just the work that you do. You're a personal brand. So think about what else is in your life that you may be able to incorporate in your photos that really infuses your personality into your Instagram feed, for example. And think about what kinds of things that you really embrace that you think your ideal customers might also really resonate with. I have this little exercise that I do that I'm going to be including in my upcoming course that I'm really excited about where I make a list of all of the things that I love that are important to me, that are activities that I do, that are my hobbies, things that I'm passionate about, e even like nerdy things I'm into, everything. And then I have a list of things that my business connects with, like on a brand level. So marketing, mindset, you know, tech, that those kinds of things. And then I have a list of things that I think that my ideal customers might be into that kind of pull from those two lists to see what they may resonate with. Like I'm willing to bet that most of my ideal customers also love tea and coffee. They probably also love books. 
<laughs> they probably also love dogs. If they don't like a picture of my dog, they can move along. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> or at least things that I know aren't going to alienate them, right? Like not everyone might be a dog person, but they're probably not going to be put off by the sight of a picture of my dog. And then that way I can infuse elements of myself into my photos, even if I don't directly connect to what I do. Because as we know, those are the bits and pieces that build that no like and trust factor. Like if we use our good friend, Amy Porterfield as an example, again, she shares photos of her dog all the time. It has literally nothing to do with her business, but everyone knows Scout. <laughs> and everyone's like, yeah, I love my dog too. Oh my gosh, we're the same. And then you're building a connection with a person who has something in common with you. And it's okay to infuse those elements into your Instagram feed, your, your social media profiles and all of those different things. I use a photo of me and my dog in my Facebook ads. Like, you know, it's okay to add these things in that don't necessarily directly relate to your business because it's refreshing and people want to see more than just the usual. They want to know what makes you different, what makes you special. Mm. Oh my gosh. Do you know what? I, I don't think my sister would approve of this, but I really want to rent her cats for a day and I like, just bring them along for the photo shoot because they are my life. I live vicariously through my sister and through one of my best friends because they both have like two cats and they're literally my phone like screensaver because I love oh. them so much. <laughs> See, you just need to take your fancy DSLR camera that you're going to know how to use so well after my course, right? Yes, of course, and then you after can your take course. It. Yeah. <laughs> then you can take the camera to these and then take the photos of the cats. Put them in yeah, your Instagram. Talk about them. Actually, yeah, no, I do. Like, seriously, some of my Instagram feed is flitted with them and because they're so cute and they're so fluffy. And I'll see that my, my excitement in my voice has just totally gone up. And um, I'm actually cat sitting <laughs> at the end of the month this March. So you're, I'm going to take a ton of photos of them and just like little really cute thing. This is so irrelevant, but I just want to share it with you, Amy, and for everyone <laughs> who's listening. So my sister, she's, um, she's having her first baby. And so I'm going to meet auntie. And Aww. she sent me a picture yesterday of one of her cats. So she has two cats. They're a brother and sister. Their names are Loki and Luna. Aww. And Loki is the boy. And he sleeps like next to her baby bump every single night. That's so sweet. Like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, I'm like, where's Luna? She's like, oh, she doesn't give a damn. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I was like, oh, she's probably jelly. But no, I just thought <laughs> it was absolutely adorable. And just those pictures are so cute. And so if I was like, like when I become pregnant, I hope that my cats are going to be like that too when I have my own. But that was so irrelevant and totally on a tangent. But I would love to incorporate photos like that when it happens. Yes, so yes. for now, I'm not going to post pictures of my sister's baby bump and her cat because that would be a little bit strange. But <laughs> <laughs> but for now, I'm, I'm going to take a lot of pictures of them. I'm sure. So you can take a picture of them and then tell the story. I mean, that's that's something. And like you just said, when you started talking about it and you said, my voice is higher, you can see how excited <laughs> I am. That kind of enthusiasm is infectious. Mm. And when you share things online that make you excited, whether they're to do with your work or not, it's the kind of thing that people want to be around that kind of energy. Sure. People are attracted to that kind of energy. And that's what's going to make people want to keep following you and work with you and all of those things worth it to share those things right oh thank you for everyone who's like an animal lover or even if you're not an animal lover maybe you, you love rocks or something or plants i don't know <laughs> i love rocks and plants i share those photos too not everyone gets it but that's okay <laughs> you know what? oh maybe like, i don't know i'm just like picturing like my future home like i would love a vegetable patch but I'd also like a little mini rock garden like a, those zen rock gardens i think they just oh, do it yeah yes okay when the time comes when the time comes okay so <laughs> amy thank you for the permission to kind of like just take pictures of the things that we love and just like post it and not be afraid i think that's what it is like all of these polished fees is like part of it may come from a place of fear that if they post anything else, they're going to be unprofessional. So, or no one will this. get it or no one will care. Mm. No one's going to care. I have students who say the same thing in the maker community who say, well, you know, people only care about my products. They're not going to want to see a picture of my dog or my kids or my goat. I literally <laughs> have someone who has goats. Wow. And, and I'm like, I disagree. Like, I really think that people want to see that, especially, you know, if you're buying handmade or if you're working with a course creator, I mean, we buy courses because we want the results, but the thing that gives us the faith we're going to get the results is the person teaching it mm -hmm. and feeling like we know them and we can trust that they're going to get us where we, where we want to go and feeling that connection with somebody. And you can do that through sharing more of yourself online. And it feels good to be able to be seen by people for who you really are. You know, when you finally start incorporating some of that stuff into your social media marketing strategy, it feels strange to think of being authentic and true and having it be a strategy. So it, those two words don't necessarily 
fit well in my mind because I think you need to be genuine about it. But it kind of, kind of like if you put that first, if you put authenticity and building connections and building relationships first, the marketing is really secondary and it happens more naturally. You're mm-hmm. really, I agree. It, which is great because who loves selling? No one. Well, I shouldn't say no one. Some people really love the selling aspect, but some people find it really uncomfortable and you can build relationships with people so that when you are launching, you can sell and it feels better because people are excited and people want to buy your stuff because they've been waiting for it and they know you. And by building these relationships, you're setting yourself up for success without having to feel like you're just pushing sales. Mm-hmm. Oh, I couldn't agree more. So thank you for that. And I'm glad that you brought that up about the whole being authentic, but it's a strategy. But if wait, if it's a strategy, then it's not authentic. <laughs> that's, that's a little confusing. Yeah. People yeah. are probably like, what? <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I know what you mean. Like, yes, it can be a strategy, but you can't lead with strategy first. It's authenticity first and it needs to come from a authentic place. So, oh my gosh, it's just that the word is such a buzzword these days, which is a shame in a way. Oh, I it, agree. Yeah, like I hate that it's a buzzword because it's such a beautiful thing in Mm -hmm. itself, for sure. That's exactly how I feel about it too. It is a buzzword. I hate buzzwords, Mm -hmm. but there's no other word that really quite encapsulates what that means to really be authentic. And I think it only becomes a buzzword when it's thrown around without meaning. But I think if you genuinely, and when people say like, oh, share authentically on Instagram, but it's my marketing strategy, then it doesn't feel authentic. (laughs) But if you genuinely post something that you love that you feel good about an image that you love or with something in it that you love and you spark a conversation with people on social media and you enjoy that conversation like you're chatting with a friend over coffee that is authentic Mm. and the side effects of it being a marketing strategy is fine but i think it needs to come from a place of i genuinely want to connect with people Mm. not from a place of i really want people to buy my stuff when my card opens. Like I genuinely, when I post things on Instagram, I want people to comment, not to push the algorithms, but so that we can talk. Mm-hmm. Like I just want to chat with people. Yeah. So, and I think if that's where your motivation comes from for showing up and sharing, then all the rest is going to just be natural positive side effects. And then, yeah, that's authenticity. Mm-hmm. Uh, preach sister preach (laughs) okay so speaking of that i know you have five different types of photos that we can kind of like cycle our feed around so we're going to use the context of instagram here because um that's typically where we do post a lot of photos and the very visual platform and pinterest as well but let's just stick with instagram for now because i know many of my choir rebels are on instagram so I don't want to like post the same thing and be boring and like for it to be like visually unappealing, like, you know, the overall aesthetic of the feed. So I know you have five different types of photos that your clients like and your students cycle in. So like just like share a couple of them with us today and then um, let's just like see what we can be doing like right after this episode because I love this conversation and I know that my mm-hmm. clients also have loved this conversation. And so, yeah, how can we get started, Amy? Like what are the different types of brand photos that we can be taking on our own, whether it's a smartphone and then naturally upgrading to DSLRs. So the important thing is to really be mixing and matching the styles of photos that you're using on Instagram, because sometimes you might go to somebody's feed and it's just a wall of photos of them from the waist up. You know what I mean? Like it's a, or even just all photos of that one person, like they're in literally every photo. It is just, it doesn't feel very dynamic. It doesn't feel very storytelling. And it just seems like it's a lot of the same. So when you first see a nice photo on Instagram from someone you don't know, the first thing you do is click through to their profile, right? And if you like what you see, you're going to give them a follow. So having a feed that looks really put together, but also real and intriguing and engaging and dynamic, that is what's going to get you those follows so that people can continue to see your stuff and you can continue to connect with them. Now, to having a variety is really important to make sure that it, it does look really interesting when somebody shows up. What I sometimes find is it go and it might look really, really busy because those thumbnails are really small. And if you try to jam a lot of stuff into them, then every single thumbnail is going to be really, really busy. And when someone clicks through to your profile, it's just going to look like a whole mess of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I really encourage people to kind of mix and match simpler photos with more complex photos to make sure that you do have a few photos that are really going to pop with kind of like a really clean shot with like one thing that really jumps out mixed with kind of more of the storytelling type uh, photos with more things in them. 
Now, specifically, I do have five styles. So let's go through a couple of them, two or three of them. One is, of course, the brand portraits. So this is something that you should all include in your Instagram feed. You should be showing up on your Instagram feed. You can take brand portraits yourself and you can also weave in, if you have had a professional portrait session, you can weave those in with ones that you've taken yourself as well. Because see, for me, I have professional photo shoots too, because it's a lot less work. So heck, and it's fun. And it's someone, you know, a new vision, someone can take some really cool photos of you. It's always fun to have a brand photo shoot, but they only take you so far. Cause then all of a sudden you're like a week has gone by and you're just posting kind of the same things over mm-hmm. and over. So you need to mix it up. And if you have a tripod and either a remote or a self-timer on your camera, you can take your own photos that look great that do not look like selfies because those do not look professional. So we're all going to leave selfies behind. Okay. Time of the selfie. 2020, we're moving forward. No more selfies. We're all in (laughs) agreement, right? Okay, good. So you can definitely set those up to take yourself that look really professional. Brand portraits are the ones where you're posed, you're looking, generally speaking, you're looking at the camera and you're going to think some happy thoughts about your favorite book or your favorite bottle of wine or whatever. And you're going <laughs> to smile about it and take the photo and, and it's going to look authentic. It's going to look real. Bonus, if you have a friend there or someone who can make you laugh or smile, it's going to look even more real or like put the office on in the background and laugh at it while you're taking your photos or that's what I should do. And yeah, so take your brand photos, share those in your feed. People want to see your face. So another kind of photo you can take is what I call the editorial styled photos. So these are the ones that aren't necessarily flat lays. Flat lays are very specific. They're the bird's eye view. You know, Instagram made them very famous. Mm -hmm. But editorial photos are, are maybe a bit of a story that you're telling with a photo that you have set up. So it could be a stack of books on your nightstand with a cup of tea on top or whatever. So you're kind of telling a story of lazy day in bed, raining outside, going to stay inside, be nice and cozy, have my cup of tea, read these books, so excited. And then you're telling a story, you're giving people that's everyone loves that, you know, cozy inside, raining outside, reading the books, having the tea. That's kind of the kind of thing that people are going to really resonate with for the most part. So those are kind of the storytelling photos that don't actually include you in them, but you just kind of set it up so that you can have a conversation. And those are really fun as well. You can, you know, have one with like some candles or whatever floats your boat, whatever you're into you could have that set up in that way. I love candles, so I could have a photo with that. And same with my succulent plants, I could have those set up and take a photo of that and talk about them or whatever. So so yeah, just basically set up your shots. We call them editorial style because they are storytelling and incorporate some props that really resonate with you and tell that story. And they just don't have to be flat lay. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good to know because I thought flat lays were just their own category in itself. But thank you for giving us some examples because I didn't uh, say at the time, but when you were saying like, um, you could put the office on in the background or have a friend with you, what I do in order to get a genuine smile, like I make like these weird sounds and I make myself laugh. Like I'm a Mm -hmm. self starter when it comes to laughing. Like I don't need anyone laughing with me. They can laugh at me for they like, but I laugh at myself as well. So it's okay. (laughs) And that's what I tell people that if you pretend to laugh in your photos and you feel like a total dork about it, then you will actually laugh. And then that is the good one. Yes. So yeah. Don't be afraid to look at a dork. You you can just discard those images. You don't have to use them if you don't want to or use them because everyone's a bit of a dork. So maybe it'll really resonate with them. Yes, yes. Pre- Got to like, you know, preach talking at there. All right. So we have like a couple of examples. And so for those who want to actually see an actual example of this, and because you mentioned there are actually five styles that you have, I know that you have this fabulous freebie that you have for us quiet rebels. And guys, I've actually downloaded this myself because the moment that went live, like I told Amy, like, yo, tell me when it's going live because I want this because I, I know I need some work on my Instagram feed. So as soon as I downloaded it, it was really cool. Like, can I give a bit of a spoiler, Amy? I'm not going to name all the five styles, but can I give a little spoiler? Alert? Of course. Yeah. Oh. And what's really cool, guys, is that like she's literally deconstructed the puzzle and then she reconstructs the puzzle. So she kind of like shares all the five different styles and like gives examples and um, hot tips and everything like that. But she also actually puts it all back together. So you actually see what a curated and yet authentic looking professional feed looks like. So if you really want to see that example because it's brilliant, where can they go, Amy? Oh, you can go to amytakespictures.com slash free guide. Okay amytakespictures.com forward slash free guys so we're going to put that into the show notes so head on over to the podcast description where you're listening to this episode and download that freebie 
today. Okay. But before we go there as well, let's just kind of like wrap it up. So I really, really love this conversation, Amy. So thank you so much for sharing the origin of the word photography and your views as well on, you know, brand photography, different levels of DIY. That was such a good conversation. And so for those who want to get to know you even better, and I hope you guys do, you know, like follow her on Instagram, connect with her on Instagram. She's an awesome person. So where can they go to find you outside of this podcast today? Well, Instagram is a great place to start for sure. So you can find me on Instagram at amy.takes.pictures. I have limited <laughs> choices, you guys. Like my name was taken. Amy Takes Pictures was taken. It just, it is what it is. Okay. She's <laughs> the one with the dots in the middle, but I'll make sure to like put that handle in our show notes so you can definitely find the right Amy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So you can find me on Instagram. I also have a YouTube channel where I post a new video every week with tips and tricks and advice and insights. You can find that at youtube.com slash Amy Eaton. And, you know, I'm on Facebook and my website is amytakespictures.com and you can find pretty much everything you need to know there. All the things. Okay, so mm-hmm. we're going to link all of that up in the show notes. And before we move on to like the final two questions of the day, Amy, I'm really excited about this because I am so ready for this and I am going to be a student of yours because you've got a really exciting launch happening in the next couple of weeks at the time of this recording. So if you're listening to this episode a couple of months on the line, she'll probably have a waiting list ready for you. But for those who are listening to this in real time, because they are loyal listeners of the Quiet Rebels podcast, could you kind of give us a little rundown of the exciting thing that you've got coming up? Yeah, I am launching my DIY brand photography course, which is called Ignite Your Image. And mm-hmm. it's all about kind of how to fire up your audience online, building those connections, getting people excited so that you'll be able to convert your audience like you've never have been before. There's so much power in sharing yourself and showing up online in your brand photos that look professional, polished, but also very much you. And doing that on a consistent basis, you know, whether it's in real time or you batch a bunch of photos ahead of time, showing the world through your eyes is going to establish a stronger connection than anything else. And that power will just help you grow your business, build your business, take it to a whole new level and really connect with people in a real way. So I'm super excited to share it because I know I'm so confident in my ability at this point, three years down the road with my product photography course, I know that my approach to simplified product photography has been so effective for makers. So I'm really excited to bring the same information to the wider community, to online entrepreneurs with brand photography, because I know that as soon as people think DIY brand photography, they think, oh my gosh, I don't know how it's really Mm -hmm. technical. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I just want everyone to know it is not as hard as you think it is. I promise I'm going to make it simple. You will not have to have a ton of lighting equipment or really elaborate setups. It is going to be completely accessible to you. And I am really excited to get the first set of students in through the door and just see what they can do with it. So pumped right now. Mm. I don't sound it, but I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I know you're excited. I know because like, you're also like in planning mode and launching mode. And stuff. This girl just came out of a launch in February and she's going into another launch in March. Like she is on fire. Called crazy. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> crazy, amazing. But, well, yeah. my other launch I've done, I've launched that course so many times now that it's not as daunting as it once was. So uh, yeah, but this one is new territory, but it's exciting. It's fresh and it's new and I'm really thrilled. Yeah. And the Quiet Rebels, if you feel called to this, then I hope you'll be inside the Ignite Your Image program along with me because you'll see my face commenting, whether it's Slack or Facebook, like wherever the community is, you're going to see me in there as well. So we can totally jam and like, you know, just like, oh, just look at our Instagram feeds and all like a couple of months down the line when we have a beautiful batch of the, all the different styles of brand photography. So we'd have a hashtag. Yeah, we do. Okay. All right. Ignite, oh. hashtag ignite your image. There's no way that's taken yet, right? Yeah, no, yeah. that's happening. No, you're owning it. <laughs> Own it. All right. So if they're interested in that, is it that they go to your website and is there like a waitlist or anything? Like where can they go? If- they can join the waitlist right now at amytakespictures.com slash ignite your image. Okay. You'll be the first to know when it goes live if you're on that list. Oh yeah. Okay. Guys, put your name on that list if you feel called for this because I'm so excited like to be like a student again because like I have been trying my best to pull back on like course investments just because, right? But when I knew that this course has come out, I was like, no, I have to take it. I so need it. (laughs) Well, and here's the thing about the course that I find the most exciting and that I think people will get the most excited about is that the way that I'm setting up the course is that by the end of the course, you will have a minimum of 60 photos to use on your Instagram. So you have this 
thing at the end that you can use. Now, if you paid a brand photographer to take 60 photos for you for Instagram, it would be so much money, but now you'll be able to actually do it yourself Mm -hmm. and continue to do it from here on out. So the idea I think of investing in something that's a course, but then also physically having something useful at the end Mm -hmm. is because I love that. I like things like I like investing in things and know that a deliverable at the end in a, in yeah, a way. Me too. Right? Me too. Yeah. I mean, they're all courses, not all courses, but like all the courses that I have invested in, I've been very pleased with, but there's something special about really, I think having like something solid at the end mm, that you can actually I agree. use right away. And uh, so I'm really excited for that aspect of it as well. I right. can't wait to see everyone posting these photos. There's 60 photos with their hashtag mm-hmm. ignite your image. I just thought oh, of the yeah. hashtag idea. Thanks to you. So that, oh. Okay. Credit for that. And, uh, we can all just have this awesome community on Instagram. I'm thrilled. Ah, awesome. And yeah, credit it to the quiet rebels as well, just because. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. All right. So amytextpictures.com forward slash ignite your image. So we'll put all the links in the show notes, guys. So whether you're going to be following on Instagram, subscribing to YouTube channel or however you're going to be connecting with Amy, like all the links will be there in the show notes. And so Amy, I've got two final questions for you. So are you ready? Mm -hmm. Okay. So number one. What makes you a quiet rebel? Okay, well, I love this question, by the way. I like to think of myself as a bit of a rebel. And here's why. Because there's a lot of things that they say you should do in online business. You should do this. You should do that. This is how you should do your funnels. This is how you should do your launches. And I'm always looking for ways to do things just a little bit differently. Because I think that all of that information is great. But then you can kind of riff off of it, implement some new strategies, find some new ways, blaze your own trails Mm -hmm. because your audience might be different. And so for me, I think, yeah, just kind of being a little bit different and and not being afraid of that and finding new ways to reach people and being a little bit, yeah, just different and not being, and even, okay, can I take this one step deeper than just business? Go, go, go. (laughs) Also in your life, like I feel like so many people, live in fear of doing something that they feel really called to do because I feel like it's unconventional. Mm -hmm. And I think that I, I really live an unconventional life. My husband is a stay at home dad. He actually works with me in the business. Now he retired from his job in the military last year and took care of our baby girl while she was a newborn. So I could work and we live a very unconventional life. And I think a lot of people just, uh, it's unconventional. I think a lot of people are not sure that they can live a life like that. And people just, you need to just go for it. Don't be content with just the status quo. Mm, yeah. Love that. Thank you. I hope that adequately answered your question. Oh, more than adequately. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. So thank you so much. And finally, Amy, as a listener of the Quiet Rebels podcast, because I know you tuned in with us before, when my audience hears the sound... It means it's time for a fact of the day. So because you are my special guest, we're going to turn the tables on you. So what is, so like, obviously, like with your editorial photos, obviously there must be some story that you've already told out there online, but what is a story that you haven't told before? Or is there a weird fact about you that only us quiet rebels can know about you? Ooh, like, does it have to be business related or just in general? Not not at all. (gasps) That's exciting. I have, it's, it's so funny. I just posted on Instagram a couple of days ago, three fun facts about me that kind of gave away all my secrets. I can use, <laughs> can I use one of those. Does that count? I feel like uh, you guys no, are no. Be- Sorry, it doesn't count. You have to find something. I know. Different. I feel bad. That wouldn't work at all. Okay. Let me think. Okay. Here's a fun fact. Some people might know this, but I'm kind of an open book. So there's not a whole lot that people <laughs> yeah. don't know about me. So here's a fun fact about me that a lot of people may not know. But if you do go to Instagram, you can read about it. It's It was from like a while ago, though. So this is okay, fresh. So they're going to have to really comb through. And all t- okay, we'll take yeah. that. We'll so take that. here's a fun fact. I inherited 240 acres of Acadian forest, which is really old, really rare forest wow. in my home province of Nova Scotia. Further to that, that has been in my family for over 100 years. And... The majority of the area surrounding my forest has actually been brutally clear cut in the last couple of decades. And my forest is kind of out there standing alone. And I had somebody contact me a couple of days ago asking me if I wanted to have it 
harvested for because oh it's worth so much money and I said no thank you <laughs> yes thank goodness I, mean, I was like you're preserving that right that beautiful it's, it is I know it's a totally off topic fun fact about me that but not a lot of people know and it's something that I am really passionate about and I don't talk about that a lot on social media my passion for preserving my forest and and things like that because it's not something necessarily a lot of people will be able to relate to but it's something that for me is one of the most important things, like being able to really protect that, but the biodiversity that lives on my land. And I don't live on it myself. It's about an hour or so from where I actually live. Yeah. It's just something that's really important to me. So I have that and it stands and I hope it will stand for my kids and my kids after that and uh generation after generation. I know. Weird fact. That's beautiful though. Like who can say like, oh yeah, I have a forest. <laughs> Kind of random. Yeah. And I inherited it from my godfather, who is a relative who lived his whole life in New York City. It's kind of a weird story. We should do like a movie about it someday because mm. <laughs> his life was very interesting. But he lived his whole life in New York City. And so when he told people he had 240 acres of forest, being someone who lived in New York City, that was pretty crazy. People were like, what? That's wild. Yeah, that is wild. But it's, it's beautiful, though. And I I think it's amazing that you're able to like pass such a legacy down to your children and, you know, hopefully that keeps going for generations to come. So I hope so. I hope so. Maybe someday I'll post like a really rustic camping business retreat on it or something. (laughs) Yeah. Imagine that guys, this is my forest. Okay. (laughs) No littering. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Oh, well, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for not just sharing that amazing story about, you know, your 240 acres of land, but also everything that you shared today, Amy. It's been amazing having you. So thank you so much for gracing us with your presence on the Quiet Rebels podcast today. I am so, so happy to have been here to chat with you all. It is an honor. I, I just, I'm, it's such a privilege to be here to chat, chat with you. So thank you for having me on. Thank you so much. Bye for now. Oh my God, wasn't that so good, my dear Quiet Rebels? I mean, seriously, I love all the knowledge bombs that Amy shares with us. And oh my God, weren't you like totally touched by her story of inheriting 240 acres of forest in Nova Scotia, Canada? That is brilliant. And it's beautiful when it comes to, you know, her whole legacy story. But I digress. When it comes to the rest of the interview and the episode, I really hope that you enjoyed our conversation of how you can really put this in your own hands. You truly can. I mean, there is a negative and there's also a positive label that's attached to DIY. So the negative label, of course, is like, oh, DIY means that, you know, you're not professional. Maybe it's giving the perception that you can't afford certain services or anything like that. No, 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 no. There are different levels of DIY. Everybody has to start somewhere. And I, for one, I had a lot of DIY stuff. Only recently I've hired a new team member. Only recently have I hired an editor for my podcast. It takes time. Do you know what? What I mentioned, I believe it's in the green room when I mentioned this to Amy, but when it came to my podcast, this is what I used to do, okay? Because I was doing everything on my own, I had to fit it in wherever I could and it still worked. It was okay if it was like B plus work because I can eventually elevate it to A plus work when I'm ready to invest. But I wasn't there when I first started this podcast. And here's how I used to edit them. I used to, because I listen to podcasts a lot when I cook, so I would put um, a sheet of cling film over my keyboard on my laptop. So it just in case I had like slightly sticky hands from wherever I'm cooking that night, because I like, like if I'm marinating meat or chopping vegetables or anything like that, you know, I don't want to touch my laptop, but I would actually play the raw file of my podcast. And if I needed to edit it, then I'd have the cling film to protect my keyboard. But that's how I would edit. That's how I'd fit in the time. So everybody starts from someone like that. Some people may have help right from the get-go. And if you do, that's amazing. But if you don't, but you still want to kind of up-level your experience, you want to up-level your perception, you want to up-level your brand, everything in your business, then you can start here with your brand photos. So I hope that you loved our conversation, my dear Quiet Rebel. And if you did, please, please, please do tag us on Instagram. So Amy is amy.takes.pictures. And you know me, making snags at M-A-I-K-E-E-T-S-A-N-G. So if you love this episode, please screenshot it and share on Instagram and tag us and share with us your favorite insight from the episode as we would love to hear from you. And everything else that we've shared in this episode today is going to be over at makeasang.com forward slash 042. So for all the links to get in touch with Amy and if you want to jump on her wait list for Ignite Your Image, which I totally am, and I really, really mean that by the way, and all the good things, then be sure to head on over to makeasang.com forward slash 
0042 and you'll be able to find all the links that we mentioned in the episode today. But that is it. So thank you so much for joining us on this conversation, on this journey today on the Quiet Ripples podcast. And if you are subscribed to this podcast, then you'll know that next week I'm going to have a special guest on the show to talk with us about sales. Oh yeah, sales. And I'm not going to give her name away, but I've given her agenda away. So I do have a amazing woman coming onto the show to talk with us about sales, but not just sales. Sales that are non-sleazy, that doesn't come from a place of pressure, that's still effective, but it comes from a good place. I mean, I've never felt comfortable with taking on like sales techniques that like kind of, like I get it, objection handling and everything, but in a way that kind of makes people feel like they're not safe to work with you? No. No, 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 no. I am not an advocate of that sales style. I know it works for some people, but for my style, if you've listened to the podcast, because this is your first episode, maybe it's like, I don't know, your fifth, tenth, whichever episode you listen to, you probably know I'm a little bit of a softie. So I like coming from a different place. I like coming from a place of actually genuinely wanting to help people. Think of service before I think of a sale, right? And I'm hoping that you're with me on that. And if you are, be sure to be here same place, same time next week when I jump on to another interview with a special guest talking to us about non-sleazy sales. So in case you haven't subscribed yet, please hit the subscribe button on whichever app you are using to listen to this podcast and I can't wait to see you then. But until then, thank you so much for tuning in and bye for now.